This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Stamps.com and Hawthorne. Is it a sign of the beginning of the end for Twitch? A new report claims that the Amazon-owned company is looking for drastic ways to increase its profitability and contemplating a reduction in payouts for streamers. Now, it's important to point out that a platform like Twitch only exists because of streamers, because Twitch doesn't produce any of its own content outside of a few special events here and there, but even those productions are almost always marketed by the involvement of streamers from the platform. Twitch is essentially proposing a pay cut to the people who are responsible for the success and monetization of its platform, which seems stupid and short-sighted, but they might not have a choice because Amazon might demand this. And uh, based on the earnings report that we saw right before coming into film, Amazon not really hitting their marks, and uh, it dropped by like 10% after hours or something like that, which is pretty significant. Bad news all around. Yeah, bad news all across the stock market. Uh, turns out uh, pretending that everything's fine during a pandemic and pretending not only that everything's fine, but everything is better than it's ever been mm -hmm. during a never-ending global pandemic, uh, eventually you do run out of uh, lies to tell yourself. <laughs> and uh, right now it's, it's not a recession yet, but it is a correction and it is a correction the likes of which hasn't been seen in quite a while. <laughs> yeah, so. so anyway, according to a report in Bloomberg, Based on discussions with internal sources, Twitch is seeking to revamp creator pay with focus on profit. The live streaming site wants to promote the use of advertisements, and according to the report, top talent could see a reduction in their share of subscription fees. Uh, from the article, the updates under consideration would offer incentives for streamers to run more ads. The proposal would also reduce the proportion of subscription fees doled out to the site's biggest performers, said the people who asked not to be identified because the discussions are private. Some changes to Twitch's monetization structure could be implemented as soon as this summer, the people said. Twitch staff is considering paring back the revenue cut of channel subscriptions granted to the top echelon of streamers in its so-called partnerships program to 50% from 70%. Yeah, that's so, a big <laughs> reduction. Jesus. Especially when you have uh, become accustomed to uh, making that amount. And, and you're talking about streamers who this cut is absolutely significant, uh, but right down to people who... Uh, are maybe getting by on streaming, or people that do it as like kind of just a fun yeah. side gig that gets them some extra cash every once in a while. Maybe, maybe people, can you imagine like you've just finally hit your metrics on Twitch enough that you can quit your shitty day job, focus on Twitch full time. You've done the math, you've run the numbers, and you're like, this, it works out fine. And then <laughs> they're like, hey, remember, 20%. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take that. Like, yeah, that sucks. But let's say, for instance, you're a decently large streamer who's bringing in thousands of viewers at any given moment or stream. Currently, top-tier partners uh, at Twitch, they're getting 70% uh, of each subscriber. So it's like, you know, you pay five bucks, you get, in theory, $3 of it. Tree fitting. Uh, people below the big partner level, they already get 50%. So I don't know if that'll change. Hopefully not. But uh, yeah, uh, a vast majority of people subscribe at the $5 rate. If someone has 1,000 paid subscribers per month, that means they're currently making $3,000 before taxes. Uh, the new rate would cost them an immediate $500 per month through no fault of their own. Uh, scaling this up a bit shows an even greater cut because, as we all know, thanks to a leak of Twitch earnings, uh, a lot of creators do really well. If someone was making $50,000 a month from Twitch subs, they would actually get paid out $35,000 before taxes. Uh, and if this new model goes through, they'd be losing an additional $10,000 per month, despite there being no change in their subscriber numbers. And obviously, that gets uh, even greater the more money that they bring in. Yeah. And you don't have to feel bad for these people, but yeah. 
they are getting screwed by a platform that, again, isn't responsible for the content. This is, it's the same thing like anytime uh, major like sports goes on strike. People are like, oh, you're already making so much money. Like, why can't you be less greedy? And it's like, yeah, well, the fucking team owners, they're taking even more. Yeah. And we just making, want a fair cut of the money. They're making billions. Yeah. And they're selling the jerseys. They're doing everything that produces that profit. Yeah. So they should be compensated in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And like, yeah, with sports and with Twitch, it's like, it, it's a very... It's not complicated. Like one the data is there. One party is producing the product. The yeah. other party uh, is just sort of capitalizing on it. And people like XQC and Hassan are doing better numbers than a lot of mainstream television personalities. And certainly better than CNN Plus. <laughs> well, everybody's doing better than CNN Plus. Uh, so yeah, it definitely seems stupid to argue over people who are pulling in that much money a month. But it's it's obviously upsetting to see Twitch just randomly decide to take money from the people who keep its website popular because they can't figure out other ways to make it profitable. Uh -huh. Their backs do seem to be up against the wall, though, because it's obvious that they're finding it hard to do proper high-yielding integrations with brands because no one's going to Twitch to watch some promotional thing or event that only exists because a brand sponsored it. Yeah. They go there to watch their favorite streamers. Yeah. They go there because they like watching some person that they feel a parasocial bond with playing games or discussing current events or painting or sitting in a hot tub or farting or, uh, you know, whatever weird shit they're doing these days. Whatever the current meta is. Why, is Twitch think, why does Twitch think they are entitled to that hot tub money? Yeah. Do you think Amaranth's just licking those ears for free? I don't see Jeff Bezos getting in the tub. Maybe he should. Maybe. I would... I would I would maybe subscribe for some ASMR of Jeff Bezos' bald head getting licked. Maybe that's just me, but uh, I would not. So anyway, <laughs> it, it also costs just a crazy amount of money for the all the bandwidth that's needed to run the site, which is something you would assume would be like a write-off because Amazon also owns Amazon Web Services. Um, do a little bit of Hollywood accounting. Yeah, that, I feel that, like you can make that. goes that, away. Yeah, it's a uh, tale as old as time. You own two businesses, and you have them bill each other for services uh, at astronomical rates. And it's like, well, we don't have that money anymore. We spent that. That is a, that is a write-off, even though you just put it in your other pocket. Yeah. But as it stands, the way that Twitch makes the lion's share of its money is through those subscriptions. And cutting that rate is obviously going to anger their top talent, who could cause a massive reduction in traffic by switching to... Another platform. Which platform would that be? Mixer? No, that's gone. Sadly, the only other major platform is the one that you're on right now, YouTube. We're not even going to mention Facebook because it's fucking pointless. But yes, the one you're on now, YouTube, is the other main uh, uh, competitor in yeah. this space. And YouTube sucks, but it's still, like I, I can't remember who posted it. They're just like, it, it really is something that, um, despite all of its flaws, like YouTube is still like the... By far the best way to like make money producing content on the internet. True, but when it comes to live streaming specifically, oh, YouTube has the worst user experience for trying to discover live streams, and they make it nearly impossible for the average user to find something to watch live unless they were already subscribed to a channel and had notifications on. Yes. It is garbage for discoverability. Every time we've done a live stream or even like a premiere, like scheduled hours, maybe even days in advance. Uh, people still show up 10 minutes into it being like, hey, what just, the hell? just got this notification. Yeah. Well, also, like, so here's a whole thing with YouTube gaming is YouTube gaming was, despite no one using it, 
was actually a step in the right direction. It was a different UI. Exactly. In yeah. order to find people that were playing games that you wanted to watch or something like that. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, people doing news or hot tub content or whatever like that. But still, it was a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. YouTube, as it stands now, is terrible for finding something to watch if it's being live streamed. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, you pretty much, you got to be on Twitter or Instagram and find out there. Yes. And go find it manually. Twitch Fucking is, sucks. Twitch has honestly perfected it. Yeah. So anyways, YouTube also, for whatever reason, has not turned on global chat emotes, which ruins any kind of <sighs> crossover fun or curiosity within live chats. Um, and there's also currently no gifting of subs or memberships, as YouTube calls them, which is a, a big feature for monetization on Twitch. And the moderation tools for YouTube chat are almost non-existent when compared to oh, yeah. what you get with Twitch. It's bad. So when it comes to live streaming platforms, Twitch is far, far superior. But that doesn't mean that YouTube wouldn't jump at the chance to bring more talent over in an attempt to bolster their very weak live offerings. And they've already done it a bunch in the past with gaming talent. But YouTube would have to do a major overhaul to its user experience in order to find ways to make smaller streamers grow organically as well. Because otherwise, there will be no sense of community at all and no incentive for people to start streaming on YouTube in hopes that they can make it big one day or make a career out of it. Yeah, there's just, I mean, it's it's baffling how he, all these years after uh, introducing live streaming on YouTube, they just haven't even attempted to try the most basic features just, just steal, just copy. Like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. There's no shame in it if it's actually a good use. Like, and yeah, no one, no one will will be. No small streamers are gonna make the jump to YouTube, even if the payout is slightly better, because there's no discoverability. Like, you go on Twitch if you are into a certain type of video game or whatever, you can. There's plenty. You can see everyone who's playing it right now. There's raids. There's all sorts. There's all these features to keep you on Twitch and make you explore and discover new content. YouTube has fucking none of it. Anyway, as for the other ways that Twitch is looking to bring in some more money by leaning on their talent, the Bloomberg report indicates that they're looking into more monetary incentives for streamers running more and more ad breaks, as well as allowing streamers out of exclusivity clauses which restrict them from streaming and hosting content elsewhere, which seems like an idea that wouldn't really work from a profitability standpoint for Twitch, unless the plan is to end the formerly lucrative exclusivity contracts that existed for the sole purpose of keeping the top talent on Twitch and nowhere else. Yeah. Their top streamers were, in some cases, getting millions to sign exclusively to Twitch during the war between Mixer, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Because YouTube, Facebook, and Mixer needed the talent that Twitch had, and the only way to convince someone to stream on a site like Facebook was money. Cold no one cash. was going to be doing that of their own accord. <laughs> yeah. So Twitch was basically forced into paying up in order to retain their talent. Seems like those deals might be a thing of the past now. And that kind of makes sense because it's unsustainable. The war the war is uh, not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, Mixer, dead. Facebook, again, no one is streaming gameplay to Facebook by well, They choice. might be, but nobody's watching. Uh, so yeah, these new policies, they're, they're still up in the air, I guess. But the, the report indicates that if enacted, they could be coming as soon as this summer. So make that money. Make the proper arrangement. Get it while you can. Uh, anyways, moving on. Olivia Wilde, you have been served in the most uh, unique, publicly embarrassing way possible. On stage at a film convention in a room filled with uh, theater owners and journalists who thought the, yeah, they were just going to be there writing uh, some articles about uh, all the hot new movies that are coming out. And her film honestly looks pretty good. But um, 
these people in the audience were instead given a front row seat to what appears to be the most petty way to deliver court documents ever witnessed. Now, while on stage at CinemaCon this past week, Olivia Wilde was served with court papers while promoting a film that she both directed and stars in called Don't Worry Darling. And the papers originated from what appears to be a custody battle between her and Jason Sudeikis. Yes, obviously from the outside looking in, you would have hoped for anyone's sake that this would be a private matter that could be handled like adults, which is why it's so odd that this particular moment was seized upon. Uh, was Olivia Wilde purposefully avoiding this paperwork for an extended period of time? It's possible. Uh -huh. I mean, she's a jet-setting celeb. If you're a process server, uh, kind of hard. Yeah, where is she? What country? What, where is she? Well, I know where she's going to be on this day at this time. She's going to be at CinemaCon in Hall H or whatever. <laughs> and uh, for the cost of a ticket, I can clear this from my schedule very yeah. easily. Uh, was Jason Sudeikis being intentionally malicious, though, by ordering the process server to deliver the paperwork during this extremely public appearance in order to shame Olivia Wilde? And uh, why was a random... <laughs> Here's a question. Why was a, a random person able to just walk right onto the stage at such an event at all? Yeah. Now, what if what if he slapped her? That What if? I mean, that just happened. And yeah. clearly, our stages are not protected. So yeah, should we retroactively go through people's social media profiles and cancel them for dressing up as Ted Lasso for Halloween because because Jason Sudeikis is a, a petty, scorned ex who's who's mad that his ex-wife is dating a fucking One Direction guy? They're still together, right? I don't know. Hey, good for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of questions here, and none of them are particularly fun to answer, but here's what we know from Deadline, as well as an updated response from Jason Sudeikis. During the Warner Brothers CinemaCon session at Caesars Palace, the Coliseum, Wilde was briefly interrupted when an unidentified person approached from the front rows and slid a manila envelope across the front of the stage towards her. This is for me, Wilde asked. She retrieved the envelope and opened it. However, like a pro, Wilde was not rattled by what must have been a shocker. With her personal life put suddenly on public display, the filmmaker continued addressing the audience made up largely of exhibitors about her project. After the trailer for Don't Worry Darling played, it was met with great applause. It is our understanding that the manila envelope marked personal and confidential, which was placed on stage, were custody papers from Jason Sudeikis, separated since late 2020, Wilde and Sudeikis share two children. The couple were engaged, but never formally tied the knot. When Deadline spoke to those involved in running the show at the Coliseum, they were unaware how the person got in the building or who they were. In fact, CinemaCon producers just kept the Warner presentation going. So anyway, for his part, despite a few articles and a lot of angry people online, a source close to Sudeikis claims that he had no idea when or where the paperwork was going to be served and certainly wasn't aware that it was going to happen on stage at CinemaCon yeah. uh, from Variety. Jason Sudeikis had no prior knowledge that his former fiance Olivia Wilde, would be served with child custody documents during her appearance at CinemaCon, a source tells Variety. Papers were drawn up to establish jurisdiction relating to the children of Ms. Wilde and Mr. Sudeikis, the source said. Mr. Sudeikis had no prior knowledge of the time or place that the envelope would have been delivered as this would solely be up to the process service company involved and he would never condone her being served in such an inappropriate manner. Because that would make me look like an asshole. Yeah. And I can't do that because I'm I, am Ted the, Lassen. I am the face of Apple TV. I'm Mr. Positivity now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a football coach from America who went over to England to coach soccer. It doesn't make sense, but we're all having a good time here. Yeah. So it's all about believing in yourself. It does seem out of character, though it's not impossible that he actually did do this out of spite. Yeah. And that the source, which is clearly his rep, with the amount of detail they went into about this. It would be funny if Jason Sudeikis was actually like a huge prick. Yeah. And we just didn't know. Well, either way, uh, she has been served and... Uh, 
<laughs> That's that. Yeah. Um, it worked. How else are you going to serve a celebrity? Yeah. You don't know what it has to be like on a red carpet or during an interview. Are they in LA, New York, London? We should have done work for process serving companies when we were doing junkets around the world. Yeah, the red carpet, you're just like, (laughs) hey, hey, come here. You've been served. (laughs) With the cameras? Hey. Just a big old box of summonses. Now you can't go on stage without getting slapped. You can't go on stage without getting served. It's a really tough time to be a celebrity it's in Hollywood. So, so tough. so tough to be a celeb right now. Mm-hmm. But let's move away from celeb drama and Twitch stars getting a pay cut and look at some legitimately cool shit from the surface of Mars. Mm-hmm. So the Ingenuity helicopter that's been flying around on Mars was only supposed to survive around 30 days worth of missions. It was just a little, hey, let's see if this works. Let's see if this sort of drone thing yeah. works on Mars. We don't even, we literally don't even know how flight will work in the thin atmosphere of Mars. But fuck it. Let's send a little tiny try. Let's just try it out. That's science, baby. Um, Yeah, so it's only supposed to last a month. It has uh, surprised everyone by going strong for well over a year now. Yeah. (laughs) Look at him go. Hey, let's do another mission. Why not? And this past week, it made an incredible discovery and sent back some truly astonishing photos from the surface of the red planet. It literally looks like a crash site of a UFO. and it kind of is. Yeah, it sort of Except is. it is identified. We know uh, what it is. But yeah, so that's actually wreckage of the parachute and backshell of the Perseverance rover that helped guide the rover safely to the planet's surface before detaching and ending up in its current state. We're just, of course, you know, the second we get to Mars, it just turns into our trash can, just throwing garbage on oh, Yeah, of course. But also, I love the fact that this thing, which is clearly designed uh, in a way that makes it work properly, like the design... It's not like they attempted to make it look like yeah. the stereotypical UFO. It is designed for a sole purpose of guiding this rover it, safely to Mars. But upon crash landing, it looks like a UFO straight out of a, like a 50s sci-fi movie. Yeah. Like identical. Like you couldn't have made it look more like a flying saucer. It's yeah, awesome. It's, I it's, love it. It's... Like if, 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 if hu- anyone else, humans or whatever, found this, and didn't know that it was the back shell of a rec- like a reconnaissance rover or whatever, they'd be like, these are fucking the aliens crash landed here <laughs> on Mars. They actually exist. Yeah. And they use our numbers and letters. Yeah. Crazy. To deceive us. Anyway, here's the New York Times with more. Uh, instead of showing the quote on screen, we're just going to keep showing the pictures because they're far more interesting, though, if you want to read the entire article, we always encourage that. And you can do so by hitting the links down in the description. Yeah. During its 26th flight last week, Ingenuity took 10 pictures during its 159 seconds in the air covering 1,181 feet. Those show that backshell, or the top half of the landing capsule that protected Perseverance and Ingenuity as they plunged through the Martian atmosphere. Still attached is the 70-foot-wide parachute that slowed the vehicle's descent. The parachute and backshell detached from the rover at an altitude of 1.3 miles. A rocket-powered system called Skycrane took Perseverance the rest of the way to the surface, while the backshell and parachute landed more than a mile away to the northwest. The backshell, nearly 15 feet in diameter, hit the ground at about 78 miles per hour, partially shattering. Otherwise, everything looks to be in good shape. No obvious signs of charring. The parachute appears to be intact, as do the suspension lines connecting the parachute to the backshell. And yet, the, the parachute's just... It wouldn't be so astronomically impressive and insane of a photo if it wasn't sitting on the surface of Mars. Yeah. Like, it is crazy to see this. Yeah, it's not. And at an angle from a drone. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. There's, I mean, there's, there's. Uh, I mean, we. I guess we're not 100% sure about, like, microbial life on Mars, but it's, like, 
I, I presumably it, it, Mars in its current state, this shit's just going to be there like forever. Oh like, yeah, it's yeah. not going to get, it's not going to uh, rot away or anything. So um, yeah, I mean, so after they'll, they'll have to see like a hundred years of time. But yeah, it's yeah. like, I mean, it'll probably get buried in sand. But yeah, it already looks to be like, I mean, the sandstorms will just cover it up, and you won't be able to see it ever again. But what a find it'll be for future archaeologists on Mars, whether they be human or from anywhere else. Just digging that up and be like, ah, shit, someone beat us to it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's it's very outrageously cool and also weird to see. And it's one of the better, more inspiring news stories that we were able to salvage from an otherwise stereotypically stupid week on our home planet. And it's always nice to have those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have no fear, though. We've got plenty more uninspiring but entertaining news for you coming up in just a few moments. But first, we have to thank today's sponsors for making YouTube's cut of our revenue less detrimental. Yes. This episode is sponsored by Stamps.com. We all know how important it is to save money where you can, especially in, in this economy. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're a small business owner, inflation certainly isn't doing you any favors. If you're a business that's looking for ways to cut some costs, mailing and shipping is a great place to start. With Stamps.com, you can skip the trip and never waste another dollar or minute. Stamps.com lets you print official postage right from your computer so you can spend less time at the post office and more time running your business. Stamps.com saves you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services that you need right from your computer. And you get discounts that you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer, no special supplies or equipment. You're up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. Save time and money this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code NEWSDUMP for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top of the page, and enter code NEWSDUMP. This episode is also sponsored by Hawthorne. Have you ever wondered how your favorite athletes ensure their grooming products are up to the task? They use Hawthorne. Steph Curry says he can't live without their body wash, and Zach Levine chose their quiz to tailor his perfect cologne. And this summer, Hawthorne caught up with the Houston Texans' Tyrod Taylor on what mattered to him. His answer? Doing his best, giving back, and taking care of himself. So while Tyrod's been working hard all offseason to support his team, he leaned on Hawthorne to upgrade his grooming game. Hawthorne is a premium men's grooming brand that makes it quick and easy to be your best with confidence, with skin care, and hair care made just for you. They use data from hundreds of thousands of customers to recommend perfect products for your body chemistry, skin type, hair type, and lifestyle. To get started, first take Hawthorne's quiz. They ask things like what your skin concerns are, what areas you'd like to focus on, your hair needs, how bad your BO is, what your goals are, and more in order to pin down the product that's right for you. At the end of the quiz, you'll view customized products tailored for your body, your skin, hair, and lifestyle. Hawthorne stands by their customers, so if you're not completely satisfied, they'll retailer your products for free based on your feedback and pay for the shipping, so there's truly no risk. So get ready for whatever comes your way this season by taking Hawthorne's quiz today. Go to hawthorne.co and use promo code NEWSDUMP to get 10% off your first purchase. That is H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O and use our promo code NEWSDUMP and you to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co, promo code NEWSDUMP. Thank you for sponsoring the show, but uh, let's get back into the news now with two absolutely incredible moments in live streaming this past week, starting with a big highlight from the ongoing Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. What a spectacle. Which really seems to be uh, 
leaning more and more in Depp's favor as time goes on. I mean, it goes without saying that Depp clearly at least said some pretty messed up shit uh, in person, uh, in audio, and in text messages. Neither party is uh, 100% innocent here. Uh, but her looks One of them fucked up. might be a sort of bumbling old man who has a long history of, um, you know, addiction issues, um, which is, you know... Not great, especially for the people around him. The other person seems like a fucking sociopath. Yes, and violent. Yeah. Mentally and physically. But yeah, the evidence provided against Heard for her part uh, is, it, it seems pretty clear that she was involved in some mental and physical abuse. And it's pretty damning, the stuff that's being And her, shown. the way she's acting up on that stand, too, is just like, you know, just hearing, uh, like, not even reacting, like, shocked or whatever. I mean, what is she going to say? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's weird. Still, this otherwise very serious court case was tipped over into absurdity once again this week when one of the witnesses called to testify did so from their car. Alejandro Romero was the front desk attendant at the building where Johnny Depp and Amber Heard lived during their relationship. So he's a vital witness in this case, but was apparently only available remotely. So Mr. Romero provided his statements to the court while in the driver's seat of his car and also while constantly hitting his vape, <laughs> eliciting laughter throughout the court, as well as from Depp himself, as he answered, <laughs> And he was hitting that vape hard, too, just smoke going like, everywhere. Oh, no, I'm parked right outside the courtroom. I could have been there, but <laughs> I, I got to do my clouds. Look, I, I'd be stressed in court, too, and if you're in the comfort of your own vehicle and you are already a vapor, yeah. the stress was would lead you to vape. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, he was... <laughs> People were in the courtroom were laughing at this man in his in his car vaping yeah. while answering questions under oath. Uh, Johnny Depp thought it was funny. Yeah, um, yeah, he was answering questions about like timelines of events with responses like, "I don't remember. I don't even remember what I got for breakfast." <laughs> in between taking like giant fucking cloud yeah. vape hits. So the testimony really peaked though towards the end of questioning when Romero started driving his car while answering questions in a truly surreal scene that even appeared to break the brain of the judge presiding over the case. Sorry, I got places to go. Yeah. I'm almost out of it juice. Just, <laughs> and without a seatbelt too. Just drives away <laughs> while answering the questions. Just you can see the buildings going by in the background. It's it was illegal probably, but also really funny. So yeah, finally the judge ordered the court to lunch before sitting in silence and collecting her thoughts with a very confused look on her face before finally saying, that was a first, with Heard's attorney adding that it was the most bizarre deposition ever. The best and this is, is in a court case where uh, just days earlier they were talking about Amber Heard uh, taking an Amber turd in Johnny F. De- uh, bed. Yeah. So uh, It is like totally meme GIF worthy. Like it's it, the shot of her just sitting with her mind blown and then, and then closing the laptop is just like, it, it's a timeless reaction to you. Just yeah. like, just a disappointment and then close. Well, that was a first. It's it, truly this trial, despite the severity of it, is constantly just dropping gifts. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one for the ages. Yeah, they had, oh, the other day too was the uh, uh, Amber Heard's attorney, uh, uh, like going against what he had just said, like it was like asked a question and then said his own question was hearsay. Yeah, it's it's been very strange. Um, yeah, I, I'm and and like it, regardless of the outcome of this just trial, a defamation. Like, yeah, regardless of the outcome of this trial, like 
if you take one step in any direction online, Johnny Depp is the clear winner of this, regardless yeah. of anything else within it. It's like, there's assuredly some astroturfing going on, but in general, this is being viewed as a win for Johnny Depp. Yeah. 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 Anyway, in another truly bizarre appearance this week, uh, if the name Ron Watkins rings a bell for you, it's either because you've been following the coverage of QAnon over the past couple of years and your brain is basically Swiss cheese at this point like mm -hmm. ours, or you're a resident of Arizona's Congressional District 2 and have seen the ads portraying him as some sort of badass cowboy who's going to save the country from woke ideology if he's elected. Yeah. So Ron Watkins has had a pivotal role in the QAnon movement through his work as an administrator on the website Acoon and... Uh, and also many people believe, with plenty of evidence, that Watkins, he might be Q. Or Maybe, possibly, almost certainly. Or at least knows the identity of Q, or at least was Q for like the second half of QAnon when it moved over to 8chan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Watkins and his father were some of the people who were uh, entrusted with verifying messages from Q as legitimate and not fake. Like, oh, these these ones are definitely Q. We know. They we were the notary on Q's uh, statements, basically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you watch the HBO documentary series about QAnon, and you should. It's, it's insane. It's fucking wild. You will know that Ron was heavily involved, and um, eh, he even, even maybe accidentally alluded to him being Q, maybe in a joking sense, but maybe... Uh, in a, in a, maybe not. In a part where he kind of realized what he said, and be like, oh, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the man is like pure cringe as well. Just like... Oh, we'll get to the pure cringe, the most recent version of it, too. The, the, my favorite, the B-roll in, in the documentary series of Ron is so fucking funny, because you can tell, like, they just, like, they're hanging out for him, like, for stretches of time. And, uh, you know, where most people would be like, no, I'm not going to let you film me uh, doing my, like, karate practice or whatever. He's mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, let's go film it. And it's just, like, him trying to be a ninja, him, like, going to the top of a mountain with a giant mochi hammer. Yeah. Um, but for any, like, actual a QAnon people or, like, uh, conservative voters in Arizona, they don't know any of that because they're not going to watch the HBO no. documentary. So the persona that he has built for himself, uh, specifically in this congressional race, is one of, of like, brawn, manliness, yeah. Toughness. Yeah, men are back. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so in a report from earlier this year in the New York Times, it was stated that though that through like linguistic analysis, it appears as though Ron Watkins assumed the role of Q around 2018 and continued posting. Um, That's the most verifiable evidence they have. Basically, his way of forming sentences is very I consistent. Guess, I guess very similar to Q. Now, whether or not any of that is true, what is true is that Ron Watkins is now running for a congressional seat in Arizona. And up until this point, as we said, he's positioning himself as a, a total badass who's going to save the state of Arizona and the United States of America from the woke liberal left. Uh, his ads that we've seen, they show him out in the country with a cowboy hat on, Western music playing in the background. Um, they are not great productions, but they get the point across, I guess. But his recent appearance in a debate against his opponent's hardly backs up that macho image that he is trying to portray and instead makes him look like a loser who rarely sees the light of day. Yeah. Uh, in one clip, he claims to have taken a trip down to the border wall and scared off a bunch of coyotes by simply looking them in the eyes. Yeah, so coyotes in this sense being humans who smuggle other humans across the U.S.-Mexico border. Or I don't know, maybe he's actually <laughs> talking about the animal. Yeah. We're not sure. You can scare a real coyote by looking it in the eyes because they are very timid creatures. They yeah, don't want to mess with humans. They, yeah, it's very easy to scare 
So a maybe coyote. he was actually talking about the I, I used to run into coyotes all the time walking my dog at night. You just sort of go, hey! And they, they freak out and they run away. Yes. They're trying to kill kittens. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Ron delivers this fact about, uh, you know, his encounter down at the border with the sort of veracity of Ralph Wiggum telling his parents about Principal Skinner making babies in the janitor's closet with Miss Krabappel. Uh, here you go. So I went down there and I saw with my own eyes, I saw the coyotes sitting right across the border. The coyotes looked me in the eyes and they ran away. But hey, we saved the best, most intimidating clip of Watkins for last because in an attempt to puff his chest and show how serious he is and ask the voters of Arizona for their commitment to his campaign, uh, he came off incredibly weak, timid, unable to finish simple sentences alongside an awkward fist motion that sort of just comes out of left field. Here you go, please enjoy. My name is Ron Watkins and I am not a politician. I am an entrepreneur and I'm a computer scientist. I have been fighting for your free speech rights in the private sectors over the past many years. We must not send a career politician to DC. We have to send a fighter and I am your fighter I am fighting for you. If you send me to DC, you will know that I will be fighting against this evil and I will make sure that we drive them back and I will make sure that your rights are, are kept. Thank you. Woo! Yeah. Citizens of Arizona, if this dork gets elected, there's no hope. Sorry. Sorry, it's over. But let's get back to actual entertainment news for a bit with uh, some big announcements that you're probably really excited to hear about. Starting with the obvious news that we all saw coming, there will, in fact, be a sequel to The Batman. I was so worried that uh, they weren't going to capitalize on their most critically and commercially successful superhero project in years. I was really worried for a second. Thank God. The Discovery execs came in and they were like, no, actually, we should do another one of these. No, we're doing a, we're doing a Pawn Stars movie instead. Side note, uh, they halted production on, like, a lot, if not all, of, like, TNT and TBS uh, productions. So, uh, that sucks. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, there will, in fact, be a sequel to The Batman, and both Robert Pattinson and director Matt Reeves have signed on to the film. Uh, this was confirmed over at CinemaCon, though we're not sure if it happened before or after Olivia Wilde got served. Uh, Here's Variety with more. The Batman is getting a sequel, with Robert Pattinson set to return as Gotham's fiercest defender. Warner Brothers revealed its plans for another caped crusader story during its Tuesday evening presentation at CinemaCon. The Batman director Matt Reeves was on hand to announce the news that he will write and direct the follow-up, but he did not provide any details about what the movie will entail. So that's it, I mean, it's happening, which up until this point was assumed based on the movie's wild success (laughs) But not confirmed. Yeah, it's also on. Uh, it's on HBO Max already. Uh, um, you're gonna have to watch it in at night with no lights on. Yeah, it's a very dark movie. If you watch it during the daytime with any light in the room, you're not gonna see anything. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful movie though. Yeah, but yeah. You're gonna need to turn those lights on and uh, get whatever sound system you can plugged into that TV, or just turn on the subtitles. Yeah, well, you'll need that too. But I'm talking about for the score. Oh yeah. 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 Nirvana is the hottest new band. I was talking about all the. Whispering. Yeah, there's lots of that too. Moving over now, to, <laughs> moving over now to Fast and the Furious uh, news. Um, so it looks like Fast X, which, as we revealed uh, recently, is the title of the tenth and I guess final, the the cherry on top of this this franchise for the ages. Um, Fast X mm, running into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can say that. Again. Yeah. Because um, it appears as though Justin Lin, <laughs> who has run this Who franchise. is fast and furious yeah. outside of, like, Vin Diesel. He's run this franchise for, like, the whole second half Responsible of, like, for every single one of the best movies yeah, in the franchise. Like, when it went from... He took it from the sort of, like, grounded, like, crime caper into just, like, superhero car movies. Yeah. Uh, he's He's pretty central to this franchise's success and creative direction. Yeah. Uh, he's left the production. Bye. <laughs> and and then, worst of all, the movie is in production. Like, so yeah, it this had to have been a pretty awkward decision for everyone because not only was the film already a week into production, which I didn't know this when they announced it. I'm like, oh, I guess we'll have to find someone else for when they start production. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're already a week into production. And this is also, this news comes right after Vin Diesel himself posted a video to Instagram Featuring Justin Lin, that felt weird at the time, but in retrospect is fascinatingly odd and very cringy. Yeah, and, uh, we need to get the body language expert out here. What is what is going on here? It kind of it's Justin got like, Lin seems extremely uncomfortable. He, it's sort of like a hostage video. This is like if if Vin Diesel was holding you hostage, this is the video he would shoot. It feels on the same level of Vin Diesel pressuring The Rock to appear in things because he'd be letting his own children down. Yeah, it's like. Well, Justin can't quit. I just had him on my Instagram in front of my millions of followers saying that he's happy. It is. There's some weird emotional manipulation happening here. Why is Vin Diesel allowed to do to constantly get away with this? He is clearly, at least from the outside looking in, I'm not saying with any kind of actual certainty, but this seems to be a pattern yeah. of emotional manipulation. He's a very strange person. And yes, there's him and like Tyrese, like, I think Tyrese learned it from Vin. But yeah, they have this weird, like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, does Vin Diesel post a lot of videos of him and Justin Lin? Like, hey, Justin, tell him how good the movie's going to be. Like, it's weird that that dropped, like, days before the news that Justin Lin is quitting. Yeah, and this, like, just look at the saga between him and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. And how his side of everything throughout that entire saga Man, you're really letting a lot of people down right now. Yeah. Like, he's, he tries to rally his fan base yeah. uh, to put pressure on whoever he wants to get something out of. It seems, okay? It seems. Also, it is a very odd video for the very fact that it should be obvious to anyone who knows his actual height that he is clearly standing on some <laughs> sort of elevated surface. Either that or Justin Lin's, like, five feet tall. But I don't think he is. It's the same thing where he posted the thing about the rock yeah. and made himself bigger. <laughs> it's odd. That's yeah. all. You know what? That's all. I'm sorry, Universal. We have friends there. It's just odd. It's okay. Just a little bit weird. And I'm sure the movie's gonna be great because it doesn't need to be anything more than it already is. But yeah. it's odd. Anyway, <sighs> let's let's watch that clip um, together so you can know what what we're referring to here, and then we'll go into Variety's breakdown of it and the news about his departure. Here yeah. you go. What do you think, Justin? Week one. Just finished week one. How does it feel? Feels like the beginning of uh, of an epic ending. Is it fair to say that this will be the best one? In my heart, yes. As Diesel grins into his selfie camera, Lynn, seated and seemingly uncomfortable, nods his head as he tries to find the right words. It feels like the beginning of uh, of an epic ending. <laughs> Lynn says flatly. <laughs> Just his eye movements alone in this. Uh, yeah. Uh, beginning of. He uh... shrugs his shoulders too, and he's like, "It's good, right?" I believe in my heart that it is. <laughs> um, 
On the surface, Lin was referencing the planned back-to-back -back filming of the Actions franchise's 10th and 11th installments, which are purportedly meant to conclude the saga of Diesel's Dominic Toretto and his Fast family. Instead, Lin, who has helmed five of the franchise's 10 installments, was perhaps accidentally foretelling the end of his time at the wheel of Fast X. Just four days later, the 50-year-old filmmaker announced that he would no longer direct the movie. Quote, with the support of Universal, I have made the difficult decision to step back as director of Fast X, while remaining with the project as a producer, Lin said in a statement posted to the movie's official social media handle. Lin's exit was reportedly amicable and chalked up to, quote, creative differences. But leaving a multi-million dollar franchise days into production has put Universal in the rare and unenviable position of finding a replacement in time to make their planned May 19th, 2023 theatrical release date. And I don't think that's going to happen. Vin Diesel's going to direct. He's going to direct, and he's going to cast himself. It's He's going to, yeah, as Triple X. Yeah, he's going to, yeah. Vin Diesel's going to direct, star in a double role, and he's finally going to get to do what Justin Lin never let him do, which was sing. He's going to have multiple musical numbers throughout the movie where he sings popular songs. We don't need a composer. I'm here. <laughs> Cause that's another, Vin Diesel's so fucking weird. I don't know if he still does this, but like for a long time on Facebook and Instagram, he just posts like selfie videos of him doing like karaoke. Like, and he's not a great singer. And I, I hate doing like nothing but Simpsons references, but it's my cultural touchstone for everything that I've learned as a youth. But it is very big Kirk Van Houten, uh, borrow a feeling vibes. <laughs> 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 Sorry, everyone. I grew up on the Simpsons. It's all I know. Yeah. Yeah. Simpsons did it. Um, anyway, so hopefully we hear more about <laughs> Oh, I'm sure we will. That. Yeah. But uh, here's a quick update to a film that would have been highly anticipated if it were released, I don't know, 10 fucking years ago. But it's, it's happening now. Better late than never, right? Avatar 2. So this film now has a full title and a trailer that will be running before screenings of Doctor Strange when that film hits theaters in a few short weeks. The next Avatar is officially titled Avatar, The Way of Water, and will be released this December. But to get a scope of just how much time has passed since the original, here's a quote from actor Sam Worthington, who was asked about Avatar while promoting his, his new show on FX. When I did the first one, I was 30. And when the second one comes out, I'm going to be pushing 50. <laughs> in the first one, I was in a wheelchair, you know? And by the time we get to the fourth and fifth, I might actually be in a wheelchair by the time we get to do it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he, uh, uh, it's been 13 or 14 years. So he, was, he, is, he is in his almost late 40s now. If you can't mid forties, if you can't wait for the next Avatar, you need a little taste of Avatar. There's a great section, I believe it's in the second season of How to with John Wilson. Oh, okay. Where he uh, he goes to a support group for Avatar for, enthusiasts, uh, yeah, and people who saw Avatar and like basically it it's the best thing they ever saw and their life has been sort of ruined ever since seeing Avatar. Like like it it sucks living their daily lives knowing that like they could be living in Avatar. Uh, it's also a great insight into how uh, conspiracy groups are created. Yep. Because these people literally found a community in a very niche topic and are thriving in it. Yeah. Which is how every conspiracy group operates. But anyways, we're sure that Avatar 2 will at very least be visually stunning, but there's no telling whether or not it'll be able to come close to the box office success of the first. It's essentially been an entire generation since its release. It and will be. There will be people who will take their kids to see this who will be like, my parents took me to see the first Avatar, yeah. and I'm taking you to see the sequel. And like the lasting legacy of Avatar is, it's like it's the most profitable movie ever made, but hardly anyone remembers like what happened in it. Yeah, it, it was, was this weird thing. Pretty derivative of yeah. uh, a million other movies, 
And the reason it was so mind-blowingly successful was that it was the reintroduction to 3D in theaters, and it was, at the time, a technological marvel as far as CGI was concerned. Yeah. So it had the mix of, like, being a technological feat that you had to see to believe, while also being a return to, and the cause of, a terrible renaissance in 3D filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. I'm glad we're done with that. We suffered for half a decade through bad 3D movies because of Avatar. Yeah. Anyway, finally today, uh, E3 be damned. Xbox and Bethesda, which is now owned by Xbox, yeah. are doing a big showcase this June anyway. Because, as we've said time and time again, uh, the actual E3 show is irrelevant in this day and age when it's incredibly easy for companies to just live stream their own announcements or upload the trailers themselves. And that's why E3 is fucking canceled. Until next year. It's just this year's And we'll see. Anyway, so this Microsoft Bethesda event will take place on June 12th. And Microsoft says, this show will feature amazing titles coming from Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda, and our partners around the world. The Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase will include everything you need to know about the diverse lineup of games coming soon to the Xbox ecosystem, including upcoming releases to Game Pass on Xbox and PC. Yeah, and it'll be... That's pretty much all what I would have expected them yeah, it'll talk about. But it'll be interesting to see if any other publishers or developers follow suit and host their own showcases during the week that was supposed to be E3. And I don't think anyone would be surprised if that's the case. President Biden, you need to declare that week Gamer Week. Gamer Week. I think that would be great. And if he wants to get uh, the midterms to go in the Democrats' favor, he's going to have to make it Gamer Week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like you would assume Sony's going to do something like. Devolver has probably been cooking up a show of their own. Like, they just release a pre-made show every year anyway, yeah. so why wouldn't they? And theirs is always entertaining. So I could definitely see this uh, becoming uh, its own thing. Yeah. Which doesn't bode well for the return of E3 next year. I don't think it's coming back. They just need to pivot into into a straight-up fan convention, because that's yeah. the only way it's going to survive in any capacity. But PAX has been doing that for 20 years and does it way better. True. But this one is in sunny Los Angeles. Yeah, at the lovely Los Angeles Convention Center. Yep. Right off the 110 freeway. Easily accessible Easily by accessible. multiple <laughs> terrible freeways. You won't see it clearly in front of you and still take a half hour to get inside of the convention center. You could technically jump off the freeway and be there in less than a minute. <laughs> but boy, is it going to take you a very long time with dozens of missed turns. Wait, uh, I just passed it. How could it be the other direction? <laughs> One-way road? What? Yeah, it sits at a really odd place. Anyways, uh, we'll keep an eye out for more announcements based on this. But hey, here's an announcement. All of the merch that we've ever made, whatever's left of it is now on sale. Everything must go. Everything must go. And I've already checked on a couple things, and uh, I was going to order some stuff for us to keep here at the studio. Uh, Sold out in sizes that I wanted. So it is actually moving, and you can have one last crack at getting any of these uh, shirts and pins and whatever else is on there. Uh, There's a link in the description below, but it's internettoday.3black.com. Link in the description. Uh, 30% off everything right now till it's gone. So check that out. Uh, thank you if you have bought a shirt. Also, new on the channel, not that we would make you do this, but if there's a there's a midlife crisis billionaire out there who wants to just throw some money away, you can now tip our video. Oh, we finally got the tip button. We got the, we got the tip button. It only took like a fucking year. Yeah. Thanks, so you Susan. Can, you can click on the button and you can just give us money for this yeah. video. Hey. Uh, I did it to test it the other day. And uh, animated hands came up on the screen and clapped over the video. Hey, but no then worries. it actually, it, it, I didn't want it to do this. I didn't know that it did this. But it posted from my personal account that I paid <laughs> $2 to my own channel. Cringe. Yeah. Embarrassing. Sorry. But yeah, that's available now. 
If you're rich, please don't give us money uh, for any other reason unless you want to join by contributing $5 a month. And then you get some emotes. Yeah. And you, people can see that you're a contributor to the channel. But uh, yeah, it's there if you want it. I'd say get a shirt, but do whatever you want. In the meantime, watch our most recent videos over here. We have all of that lovely Elon news from earlier this week over here. And we went this entire episode without mentioning him. So you're welcome. But maybe he'll be in Weekly Weird News. And we also have a previous episode of Weekly Weird News here. We'll see you soon for that episode of Weekly Weird News, which I hope won't include Elon, but it might. Like the video. Subscribe. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.